Hey, I want to welcome you all. We've been in a series this fall, No Perfect People, and you probably, you know, if you've been with us, you've been journeying with us a little bit. If you haven't been, uh, probably you can relate to this. We get this idea as humans that before we can come to God, we kind of have to hit a certain level or a certain bar of goodness or whatever it is before God will kind of like accept us and, and, and so on. And we kind of have this idea that we have to become perfect. Uh, one of the areas that I wanted to touch on today that we think that, you know, we have to kind of be perfect is the, in the area of giftedness, in the area of talent or skill. Like, you know, I just, if I don't have a certain level of giftedness or talent or skill, I don't think God could ever use me. I mean, God uses those people and those people and they're like super gifted and I'm not. Now, I bet at some point in your life, and whether you're you know, a follower of Jesus or, or not a follower of Jesus yet, uh, I bet at some point in your life, you've been in a situation or circumstance where you felt completely overwhelmed, right? You were just like, you were in over your head. You're thinking, this is above my pay grade. I can't do this. And maybe for you, it was like, you know, you took a new job or it was a little bit more seniority or authority. And you're like, man, am I cut out for that? Am I going to be able to do that? Maybe for you, it was like you moved to a new town or a new school and it's like, oh man, can I, am I going to be able to do this? Uh, maybe uh, for you, it was a, a ministry thing, right? You, you felt God's kind of call on you or a little bit of nudging. And you're like, man, can I step into this relationship? And maybe you stepped into the relationship and then they started asking some questions about faith and you're like, this is above my pay grade. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I can do this. And you just didn't feel like you were gifted enough. You know, um, in our culture, we are like a feel-good culture, right? We're feel-good people. We don't like to feel bad. And so whenever we kind of get to these moments of like, oh man, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do this. And those two debilitating words in the English language, I can't, right? You've thought of that before, I can't. Kind of our human tendency and our culture's uh, encouragement is, be a positive thinker, right? Just, you know, get, get in your car and put the cards all over your car and on your mirror in your bathroom, things that say like, you can do anything. You're awesome. You, can, you got this. You won't fail. You, you know, like we just, positive thinking, right? Like this is gonna do it. But even if you've done that, probably at some point in your life, you're like, but in the deepest parts, if I'm really honest, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. There's actually a, term for this. I don't know if you knew this. It's a legit term. It's called being ungifted, which is not having any exceptional talents. And I bet at some point in your life, you probably felt like, that's me. Like, I don't have any exceptional talents. Like, I don't, I don't really have anything. And then as it relates to, as you step into faith and you start following Jesus, and, and then there's like, you know, these nudges from God is like step into this relationship or step into this, you know, volunteering or step into this service or, or walk with this person as they struggle through faith. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't think I, I can. I'm just not exceptionally gifted, right? And our, our, our culture, as I said earlier, there's kind of, kind of two options that we pick when, when we feel this. You know, the first option is like, we just quit, right? I can't, I'm out, done, you know, you guys figure it out. Quitting is one. The other one that I talked about already is like be positive, right? And I don't want to undermine the power of positive thinking because there is a great power in positive thinking. But, you know, positive thinking doesn't just accomplish everything. And as it relates to those moments specifically, and this is what I'm going to be talking about today, specifically when we feel a nudge from God, when we feel like God's saying, hey, step into this, and we feel like, whoa, 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 God, I'm in over my head. There's another option. 
It's not quit and it's not just be positive. There's a third option that I want to look at today, and I think it's the option specifically when we feel God's nudge in our life. This isn't for everything in your life, like, hey, if I just want to go and do this, it's those specific times when God nudges you. What's the third option? And we're going to find this out in, a, in, in the life of a man, one of the most famous people in all of Scripture, not Jesus. I know he's pretty famous. But another famous guy, his name's Moses. You've probably heard of Moses. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, go to uh, Exodus chapter 3, and as you're finding it, I'll kind of catch you up to where we are in the story of Moses as we find out kind of his struggle with this. And this kind of third option as it relates to God kind of nudging us into places we don't think we can step into. So Moses was a Jewish guy, an Israelite, but he grew up in an Egyptian household, but not any Egyptian household, in King, uh, the Pharaoh's household, which Pharaoh was king, most powerful man in the entire world at that time. Egypt was a superpower. And what made this really strange is the Jewish people, the Israelites, who, who were like Moses' people, they were slaves of the Egyptians, right? So this was kind of a strange thing, but this is where Moses grew up. And years after he, you know, been born as a baby, which most of us do, and then he grew into a boy and a man, uh, he found, he came across an Egyptian man who was beating a, a, a Jewish Israelite slave. And Moses came to his fellow countryman, his fellow brother, in that sense, another Jewish guy, he came to his rescue and killed the Jewish man, which immediately put Moses on Pharaoh's most wanted list, that list of like wanted, dead or alive, but preferably dead, he was on that list. And so Moses runs for his life because Pharaoh's gonna kill him and he flees to a faraway land called the land of Midian and there he settles down, he starts working for the sheep farmer uh, and he marries the sheep farmer's daughter, so it's his father-in-law and life is just, you know, he's just hiding out, doing his life thing. When one day he comes across this burning bush that's not burning up which kind of got his attention. I think it'd probably get your attention too, right? Like, what's going on? It was God's way of getting Moses's attention. And God has this conversation with Moses. In essence, he says, Moses, I've seen your people. I've, they've been in slavery for like hundreds of years and I've heard their cry and I'm gonna do something about it. And Moses at this point in the conversation is probably thinking, that's awesome. <laughs> Go get them, God. You're awesome. Like, love your plan. 10 out of 10, right? And then God drops a bomb on, no, uh, on Moses' lap. And this is like the, the, the time, the nudge, nudge, you know, and, and Moses is, you know, it's like, what? This is what God says. So, so now go. I am sending you. <laughs> I'm going to do this awesome thing, but I'm going to do it through you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses is like, say What? What? Like, you're sending me? And all of a sudden, Moses is like, your 10 out of 10 plan, that awesome plan you got, God, you had, that's a bad plan. That's like a one out of 10. You got to come up with a better plan. And all of a sudden, all these excuses, like an auctioneer, just start flowing out of Moses' mouth. And by my count, there's five excuses that we're going to dive into over the next few minutes. And I bet, I bet you can relate to every one of these excuses. If you've ever been in a position like Moses is right here, where all of a sudden God's like, hey, I'm gonna do something, but I'm choosing you, I bet you can relate to every one of these excuses. Here's the first excuse. Moses says, Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? I bet you've had that excuse. You know, God comes calling, comes nudging, you're like, God, who, who am I? It's just me. I'm nobody special. I'm not anybody significant. Who am I? 
that you've used that excuse. This was Moses. He's like, I'm nothing special. He goes on. It's excuse number two. He said, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what should I tell them, right? Because Moses is thinking, God, you've kind of been silent for like 400 years. If I go to the Israelites and say, hey, the God of your forefathers, like, we don't have a God. He hasn't showed up in 400 years. We don't have a God. What do I say? What shall I tell them? And I bet you've had that excuse too, right? God's like, nudge, nudge. I want you to step into this person's life. You're like, who am I? And what would I even say? I don't have no words to say. What would I even tell them? And this is Moses. He's like, what do I tell them about you? You want me to tell people about you? But what do I even tell them? And God says this. This is interesting. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And I was like, what? Sounds kind of cryptic, doesn't it? Like if God's like, hey, I want you to tell some people stuff and just tell them it's I am. It's like, I, what? You are what? What are you? Right? right? But this is so, so significant. We don't have time to go into all of what this I am means, but so significant. See, in that in that time, everybody, there was a pantheon of gods and there was like the god of war and the goddess of love and the, the god of fertility and the god of the moon and the goddess of the, uh, or the goddess, uh, god of the, the sun and the goddess of the moon. And there was all these gods and they had this like specific role. There's the god of, the god of, the god of. And God comes along and says, you can't box me into one thing. I am And all through the Old Testament, we have these little glimpses as God shows up into people's lives where they name him, but it's their experience with them. It's like, whoa, you're like the God of, you're the, you're the, you're like the God who does this because this is who you are. I am, you can't box me into one title. There's a whole bunch of things that I am. And in fact, the very first person to name God, this is interesting, the first person in scripture to name God is a woman. It's not even a Jewish woman. Her name's Hagar, Hagar. And she names God the God who sees me. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That's how she experienced God. This is like a God, like I'm a nobody. He sees me. And so God's like, I am who I am. I am has sent me. You can't box me into one thing. I'm not just the God of justice. I'm not just the God of mercy. I'm not just the God who provides. I'm not just the God who sees you. I'm not just the God of love. I'm all of it. I am. This is what you're going to tell them. <laughs> and Moses is like, he's like, okay, I got more excuses. I, I'm, I got a whole handful here. I'm going to keep going. Moses answered, okay, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you, right? Excuse number one, who am I? Excuse number two, well, what do I even say about you? And then excuse number three, okay, what if I tell them and they don't even believe me? What if they don't listen to me? I bet you've had that excuse. What if I step into that and they don't actually even believe me? This is, a, this is a question of authority, right? Like I'm nothing and they don't see me as anything. So what authority do I have to tell them where they're actually gonna listen to me? And then the Lord says something interesting. This is so, so cool. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? I love this. I love this because our human natural tendency as humans is the moment God kind of nudges us, he says, hey, I want you to step into something. Our natural tendency is to look at all the things we don't have, all the ways that we're not enough, all the, the ways that we are inadequate. And God comes along, and I love this. He says, what is it that you already have? What is it that you already have in your hand? See, God doesn't need you to become someone you're not. 
God doesn't need you to have some sort of special thing that you don't already have. God's like, hey, I can use what you already have. And this is what Moses says. It's like pretty insignificant, okay? Moses says, well, I got this staff, which is like, I got a stick. <laughs> like, right? Like, Pretty insignificant, right? And, 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 and Moses, I, you can hear the argument already going, right? Like, God, I got a stick. This is really good for herding sheep, for shepherding. This isn't so good for leading like hundreds of thousands of people out of slavery, right? Like, this is just a stick. Or, you know what? This is good for like sheep, you know, being a shepherd. This is not really helpful in overthrowing the most powerful man in the whole world. You know, Pharaoh is the most powerful man. Egypt is the superpower of the world at this time. This is just a stick. And God's like, I can work with that. And this is what he says. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake and he ran away. Like, like, most of us, we would do the same thing. And the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached, I wouldn't have, but he did. He reached out and he took hold of the snake and he, it turned back to his staff in his hands. Like, what? But God's like, this isn't just a fun trick. There's a point to this, right? This is so that they may believe, right? Because remember, his excuse is, what if they don't listen? I got no authority. He's like, let me give you something so it gives you some authority. This is so that they may believe that it's not you, right? Like nobody turns sticks to snakes. Nobody does that. That this is the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Remember the one that they're going to say, we don't have a God. He hasn't shown up in 400 years. God's saying, I'm still around and I've been paying attention. This is to show them that he has appeared to you, that you have authority. God's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I gave you one. I'm going to give you two. Because if there's one good thing, I'll give you two good things. He goes on and says, Lord said, and put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand, again, this is something he already has, right? He's got a hand. It's like, put your hand into your cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put the hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if, you do not, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second, right? If they don't believe you on the first one, you know, you did the stick thing, then do the hand thing. But here's the thing. Every great plan is a three-step plan. It's true. If you find a workout program and it's just a two-step plan, don't ever do it. It won't work. This is scriptural, okay? Because we're going to see Moses, he gets a three-step plan because every great plan, this is God-ordained three-step plan. Okay, here's the third step. He's like, but if they do not believe these first two signs or listen to you, then take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground, on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Three-step three, three plan, right? If they don't believe you, here's God's the ultimate excuse remover, right? Here's what I'm going to do. Here's something you already have, and I'm going to do something great with it. <laughs> you know what Moses does? You know, for not being like the boldest guy, for being kind of shy, he's pretty bold to say no to like the God of the universe, right? I don't know. Like he just keeps saying, and, and in fact, I bet you can relate to that too. Because a lot of us are pretty good at saying no to God. He goes on, he's excuse number four. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. Just one thing. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. 
I haven't been good at talking in the past, nor in the last 10 minutes since you showed up. I still got a problem. Yeah, you can do the stick thing, God, that's cool, but I've got a problem with the stuff that I have. (laughs) And this, in essence, is Moses saying, God, I'm ungifted. I don't have any exceptional talents. In fact, I got this speech impediment thing. I don't think I'm the guy. And he makes his excuse, and I bet you have your I'm not gifted enough. This is my problem. God, I don't think you can overcome me. And the Lord, I mean, he's, he's patient. I mean, I would have been like, you're done. Where's, who's the next? Find someone else. God doesn't do that. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings or mouths? Just have a conversation, Moses. Who makes the deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I? The answer is yes. Isn't it I, the Lord? Right? Like, Moses, if I can figure out how to do those things with the stick, I created you. Surely I can overcome your ungiftedness. (laughs) So he says, now go. In fact, I will help you speak. This won't even just be you. This isn't about you. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. And Moses, he goes to his fifth excuse, response. He said, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. This is him just saying, no, thank you. Like he had an option in it, right? Like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm out. (laughs) And then God, you know, he gets frustrated. Actually, scripture says he gets angry. This is what he says. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. And I love this. He is already on his way. Isn't this cool? Like before God ever shows up to Moses, he already knows the five excuses and he's the perfect, the ultimate excuse remover. And he's like, I already know what you're doing. So I have pre-planned. There's a guy already on his way and all the things, even your last excuse, I'm not your guy. I will provide another guy to be with you to be your guy. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. Then he goes on, gives him some direct. You will speak to him and put words into his mouth. He's your brother. If you have a speech impediment, you'll get over it, your brothers. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to, what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if you were his mouth or if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff. Remember what you got? Take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. See, here's the point of of what God was saying to Moses. And here's the point of what God is saying to you and I. See, you don't, God doesn't need you to be awesome. See, we get this idea that God needs me to be somehow exceptionally gifted. That God needs me to somehow be, you know, this exceptional, exceptional talent that if I'm just not like, quite awesome enough, and God can't use me, and God wouldn't use me. But here's the deal, God doesn't need you to be awesome. In fact, in the story of Moses, if, you, if you've ever studied this, I think it's actually Moses' thought that he's not the right guy that makes him the right guy for the job. It's Moses' belief that he's not the right guy that made him the right guy for the job, and here's why. Because he didn't think he was awesome enough. And if he thought he was awesome, he wouldn't need God. 
See, here's the thing. Your awesomeness may actually be the problem. And what I mean by that is you thinking you're something actually gets in the way of God doing something because you no longer need God. And Moses, as he approached this and he felt so inadequate, it was actually the posture I think God wanted him to be. Because in that posture, suddenly it wouldn't be him doing it. He would be reliant day in and day out on God. In fact, there's this crazy passage in Numbers 12, verse three, and this has always baffled me, where it says, and Moses wrote Numbers, right? So this is kind of weird. It says, Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. <laughs> I wonder if as he's writing that, he's like, am I allowed to write that? Doesn't that disqualify me? Like, do that thing where you did like the hand on the stone with a ten commandments. Like, do that. Like, I can't write that. See, what, what was it that made him so humble? Because he didn't think much of himself in the sense of, I can do this. He was reliant, humble before God. It would always be God who did it. So if God doesn't need us to be awesome, in fact, our awesomeness, us thinking we're something, will actually get in the way. What is it that God wants from us? Well, God doesn't need you to be awesome. What God wants from you, though, is simply to be available. And this is what God is getting at with Moses the entire time. Would you simply be available. Notice that at no point does, does God try to argue with Moses and be like, oh Moses, your speech impediment's not that bad. If you believe in yourself, dig deep, you can overcome, right? He doesn't, he doesn't go the positive route and, and it's, positive thinking's a positive thing, okay? So don't th- I'm not trashing it. But what God doesn't do is say, Moses, it's in you. What God is trying to do is say, Moses, all I want you to say is yes. I'm gonna do it all. Would you just say yes? Would you simply be available? Available. To kind of hit this home, I I brought a box to help us to understand this. Um, This is just a box. I don't know if you can see. Nothing really special about this box. It's just like cardboard box. But there is something kind of special about it. It's got this little like symbol thing. I don't know, you guys recognize it? I know some of you guys are getting the jitters. You're like, I gotta go click something, right? Like, got this thing, I gotta, you know, we'll talk about that another week, don't worry about that. Uh, Amazon, right? And there's nothing special about the box, but this little symbol actually represents something bigger than the box, doesn't it? And when it shows up, it does that thing inside you, like, yes! Why? Because it represents something you bought and you've been waiting for to show up at your house. So this box is not significant, though, but what makes this box significant is what's inside of it, right? Simply that it's clean and available enough for someone to put a package in it so it could come to your house. But here's the deal. If the box one day was like, hey, I want to be like significant on my own, right? Like, I don't want to just be like empty. Like, I want it to be about me. And like, you know, it's like, I'm going to, you know, you order like, I'm going to offend some people. Okay, so you order like, you know, some a Nintendo Switch, or you ordered, you know, some like spark plugs or something, and then, you know, the box shows up and it's like full of yarn. You're like, what? Sorry, all you yarn lovers, okay? So it's like, that's a, if the box tries to be significant on its own, it loses its significance. Or if the box is like, hey, I don't want to just be a cardboard, you know, empty thing. I'm going to be a sweet airplane, right? This is my son made this. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm going to be this sweet airplane. That, that ruins the purpose for what the box is for. The box does its job best when it's simply empty, available for what will be put inside. See, God 
wants us to be clean and available. By clean, I don't mean like you have to be perfect. What I mean by clean is get the stuff in your life that's taking the place of God. Move that out. Make space. Become available. Clean out this, the, the, the stuff that's, that's clouding your ability to receive from God and be available to him. See, God doesn't need you to be something awesome. He just wants you to be available to him. And here's the deal. I'm convinced that as you journey with faith, and if you're not on the front end of faith, uh, you're, you're gonna come to this if you put your faith in Jesus, but I'm convinced as we come to Christ, as we come to God, this is what the posture is of the Christian life. See, if you're on the front end of faith, you gotta get you out of the way. You can't do enough works to earn your way to God. You gotta come to him and just simply be available. As we said uh, a few weeks ago, the beginning, the entrance way into God-pleasing spirituality is simply repentance. It's simply saying, God, I throw myself on you. I empty myself of all the things I was gonna do to earn my way to you. And I simply look on your mercy and grace. I'm simply an empty box that's available for you. And if you're walking in the faith, here's what I'm convinced of. That as you journey with God, that one day, and probably many days in your journey with God, you're gonna have what I call Moses moments. Moments like this where God nudges you and there's an inclination in your heart and it's God's spirit speaking to you saying, I want you to step into this. And you're gonna have these Moses moments and I don't know what your Moses moment's gonna be. I don't know what your Moses moments are gonna be because they're different for all of us because we're all gonna be used differently by God. He's gonna put different gifts into each of us. He's gonna call us all to some unique and different tasks. So I can't stand up here and say, hey, you gotta be able to teach and preach because maybe that's not what God's calling you to. It's what God called me to, but that's not your Moses moment. Maybe your Moses moment is stepping into a relationship with that coworker who's not following Jesus yet or step into that uh, broken marriage or to step into a small group or to step into a leadership position or a volunteer position. I don't know what your Moses moment is because they're unique to all of us, but here's what I guarantee you your, moments, your Moses moment will include. It will include stretching. It will include you going a little bit further than you're comfortable with. It's that time like God called Moses and said, and you're gonna be like, say what? Really God, me? And the excuses are gonna start rolling off your lips. Who am I? What am I gonna tell them? What if they don't listen to me? I don't have the giftedness, I'm out. See, some of you have an idea about me and my giftedness you think, my, it must just be easy for Pastor Alvin to go up and, and speak because he does it every week and it seems so comfortable to him. I want to tell you right now, that's absolutely not true. If you know my story, my story is not the story of great faith to step into a gifting. It's a story of great struggle because like you, I'm a box. And God comes along and he says, I have a task for you. I want to put a gift in you. And my story is a story of great struggle, not great faith, of doubt, and it continues to be because I'll, I'll be really honest, I don't like to be stretched. And maybe you don't like to be stretched, but there's a challenge for us. In the Moses moment, as much as we don't like 
Will we simply be available? Will he simply say yes to God? You know, one of the reasons I think often we, we, we fear saying yes is because we fear failure. Maybe this is you, maybe it's just me, I'm maybe weird. Um, but we feel fa- failure, right? Like if I step into that, what if I just look stupid? But I think we have a, a wrong definition of failure as it relates to the times when God nudges us. See, we define failure as, as the lack of success. But I think as it relates to God and your relationship with God in those moments where he nudges you, failure is actually not a lack of success. Failure is not trying. Failure is simply saying, I'm not available to you, God. And here's the interesting thing. As God calls us to be available, our fear of not having success It's because we have skin in the game, but I want to tell you someone else who has skin in the game, your heavenly father. When God calls you to something, it's not you that only has skin in the game, it's your heavenly father who has skin in the game, which means he could look bad. God doesn't look bad, which means this, what God calls you to, he empowers you to do, which means he's got skin in the game, which means he doesn't call you to things and say, oh, I hope it works out for you, let me know how it goes. Right, like Moses, you go do this. I'm gonna be over here when you're done. Tell me how it went. You know, like Moses is the only one who has skin in the game. God had skin in the game and as God calls you, he doesn't leave you. He empowers you because he also has skin in the game and he doesn't look bad. He will empower you to do what he's called you to do. Now, does this mean that whatever you set your mind to is God's will for your life? No, no. Some of you probably have tried some things and you know this and maybe you're gonna try some things. You're like, this must be God and then you step in and it's like, God's like, that wasn't me. You're on your own. So you look bad on your own. This isn't me. Here's the deal. Discerning what God has called you to is not something you do on your own. This is done best in community. This is why as you go from here, I encourage you to wrestle this out in your homes, in your small groups and say, hey, I think God's nudging me. Do you guys sense that as well? Is this a God thing? But when God calls you, he's got skin in the game. And he will empower you to do it. He will empower you to do it. You know, I want to look quickly at the five excuses that Moses gave. The five excuses that Moses gave. And there's one common denominator in all five. I I think you'll probably see it. Who am I? I am nothing. What do I tell them if they don't know you? What if they don't believe me? I can't speak well. I can't do it. Choose someone else. You know the common denominator? I made it easy. I highlighted the word. Didn't want anyone to feel bad. So, right? I. This is Moses' focus the entire time. And as we consider what does it look like to be available, here's the one kind of takeaway. As you think, so what would it even look like for me to be available? Here's the one takeaway. To move your focus, shift your focus from your inadequacy and turn it to God's great ability. This is the one takeaway. What would it look like for you in your life to shift your focus from your inadequacy and turn your eyes to God's great ability? Because God's got skin in the game and what he calls you to, he will empower you. It's not about you, it's about his great ability see God doesn't need you to be awesome he wants you to be available 
So in closing, we're going to do things a little bit different. This might be awkward because it's like a physical thing, and we don't usually do physical things at Mount Olive. You kind of sit there and then leave. And, um, but this time we're going to do it different, but we're all going to do it, so we'll be uncomfortable together. But what I want to invite you all to do is simply a physical posture. Just take your hands and put them out in front of you like this. And this is a, a physical posture that represents a, a spiritual, a heart posture. A posture of openness and a posture of availability to God. And I want all of us to simply say is, God, I'm a cardboard box. Just kidding, don't say it. Just, you're, you're more than that. You're more than that. Simply what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. And by taking this posture, and at the end, if you want to agree with the prayer and make that same commitment, simply say I, uh, amen at the end. It just means I, I'm in agreement. Um, I'll tell you what the prayer is. I won't surprise you. The prayer is simply saying, God, you know how weak I am and how hard it is for me to be stretched. Help me to take my eyes off of my inadequacy and turn them to your ability. Would you fill me? Would you give me the wisdom to know what to do as my Moses moments come and then the courage to go and do it? That's going to be the prayer, okay? And for some of you, there's a, a battle right now because you're in the middle or the front end of your Moses moment or a Moses moment. And you've been wrestling with God and this is an act of surrender. Significant for you. Others of you, you're like, I don't know. I don't feel like God's calling me to anything that's uncomfortable you're not in a Moses moment. I just want to say, you're not a bad person or a bad Christian. But inevitably, as you follow God, there's going to be times in your future where you're going to get pulled. And I want to invite you now to make your decision now on the front end to say, God, when those come, my answer is yes. I don't know what the question is. But when you bring the question to me, my answer is yes. So if that's you, I just invite you to pray. And at the end, if you want to agree, say amen. Let's pray together. Father, you know how weak I am and how weak many of us are. How we don't like to be stretched. I don't like to be stretched. So Father, my prayer, our prayer is that you would help us to shift our eyes from our inadequacy. That you'd help me to turn my eyes to your great ability. God, would you come and fill me? And Father, when that time comes, when the tension comes, would you give me the wisdom to know what to do and then the courage to go and do it? to be a yes person to you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.